What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Basement Talk Podcast. I am your host, Ed Birdsall. There is no Jake tonight. He is dealing with a personal matter, and he will be back next week. However, however, you know there's a saying. When one thing falls, something else has to rise up to take that thing's place. Jake will be back next week, but for the time being, we have the one, the only, from the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show, it is Mr. Adam Caster. Hi, Adam. Bird, I am flattered that I would get such an intro. Did I gas you up enough? A little. Is the glow up real? Is as like the kids say? Well, I'll tell you that my face is glowing right now. I mean, this is, is bad radio, but I, I... <laughs> listen, yeah. listen, listen. On the Basement Talk podcast, we strive on terrible radio. On the Basement Talk podcast fantasy show, we probably strive on terrible radio too. Yeah, well, it happens. How are you, Adam? For, I'm first doing of well. All, number one, I'm doing well. Good. I'm doing well. Good. How your your week has been pleasant since the last time that we spoke on the Basement Talk Podcast and show, which you can find on the Basement Talk Podcast platform, which can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, and Google Podcasts. Adam, how did I do? You did pretty well. Thank you very much. I learned. I did not know that we're on uh, Google Podcasts now. I know I have to put that in, into my repertoire for the you outro. Do. You do. So thank you for letting me know. Speaking of which, speaking of which, uh, I think it's kind of weird that. I told you this before, like seconds before we went on air. I thought it was, it's kind of interesting having to sit back during the, uh, during the intro, not being the uh, first words that people hear when they click play. So yeah, it's a, it's a new experience for all of us. Well, guess what? I mean, and people are going to realize this very quickly, but instead of the 1975 kicking off the show, it's going to be Enrique Iglesias and they're going to be very confused. They're going to be very, very, very confused, but Absolutely, but just two wonderful groups of individ- individuals. Nineteen seventy-five, great people, and of course Enrique Iglesias, the Latino bombshell, just lovely, about luscious in every sense of the word. About as confused as Jurgen Klopp was when he left uh, when he left Anfield today. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burnley, 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 Burnley. Eating Burnley, it's not for everybody. But hey, we lost to Burnley too at home. <laughs> So Liverpool yeah. could join us. We beat Burnley 5-0 at home. Were we at, I think we were at home. I actually got I got a text from one of my uh, my Liverpool uh friends who's a fan of the club and he said something along the lines of that's it. Relegate us now. <laughs> well, I, and I said to him I said no, you're not getting relegated cuz guess what if you're getting relegated we're getting relegated too. We lost to Burnley at home. What about the other four teams that Burnley beat? Or the other three, I guess, because Burnley has five wins. Well, if who, anything, else, who else did they beat? That's a good question. If anything, Sheffield or Newcastle should be relegated because they lost to Sheffield United. Fair. That's very fair. That's very beat, fair. One, one win, Sheffield United. They beat Sheffield United. They beat Wolves. And they beat Crystal Palace. Wolves, Sheffield, Crystal Palace, 
Arsenal, Liverpool. Yep. Jesus Christ. What a motley crew. You, you, you ain't kidding. That's a motley crew and a half. Speaking of motley crews, let's get into deep sleeper, shall we? And Adam. Because I usually let Jake go first. I'll let you go first. I'll, I'll still keep the tradition going. What's your deep sleeper of the week, my friend? My deep sleeper of the week? Yes. Um, well, the week's almost over, but I think my deep sleeper of the, of the week, I'm going to stick to a team that is close to my heart that has been actually distant, honestly, the past couple of years because they've been terrible and I've kind of distanced myself from them. But my deep sleeper is Alec Burks of the New York Knicks. Huh. Okay. He, I believe the reports say that he will be return, making his return against the Warriors tonight or depending on when this happens or depending on when this episode comes out. On It'll Thursday. probably be around tip-off. Yeah. So he's making his return against the Warriors uh, on Thursday. So, And he was a big part of the team and their little hot streak to begin the season before he was injured. And I think that he's going to – he he could give you some really good uh, scoring off the bench, uh, you know, relieving R.J. Barrett if needed. And honestly, the Knicks have just looked so good, and I love it. I love everything about it. They look competent. I know. For a See, change. It's even weirder because we're, we're in the upside down. That's what it is. The Knicks look competent. The Jets, not only do they change their coaching structure – or their, their structure, their hierarchy, where Robert Sala reports to Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas reports to, to now Woody Johnson. But also, I mean, Robert Sala, like, won, quote-unquote, the press conference. And honestly, we'll talk about that in a bit. But it's weird. The Mets have good owners who may, well, you know, aside from the one thing that's not necessarily their fault, uh, they've done almost everything right at this point. I'm like one of the few Mets fans that didn't want us to sign George Springer because, frankly, we could use that money somewhere else, i.e. extend Trevor Bauer. <laughs> Trevor Bauer, extend Lindor, extend Conforto, uh, even extend Dom Smith. As well. <clears throat> Bauer. <laughs> also Trevor Bauer. Brad Hands. <clears throat> Bauer. <laughs> Have I made it obvious? It's it's just weird because you had a bunch of Mets fans on Twitter acting like Yankee fans. And it's like... Yeah. Is, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is not what I signed up for. You are what you hate. This is not, not what I signed up for in the slightest. Do it. Embrace your hatred. <laughs> That's literally... I'm like, wow, we, we sound like Yankee fans. This is awful. This is awful. This is what money does to people. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it nice? We haven't even fucking won anything. Listen, new newfound wealth is, uh, is is very hard to maintain your emotions. It's like winning the lottery. Yep. You have so much fucking money, you don't know how to do it at all. Also, I have another deep sleeper. Go ahead. It's David Quinn's hot seat. Oh, that's a deep sleeper. It, he, that, that hot seat should be on fire. He is he is seated on burning coals. Burning coals. He should be. 
The defense has not looked better, has nope. not looked any better in the past three. Is this team coached by AV still? I mean, Jesus Christ. Jack Johnson playing 17 minutes a night is a joke. I feel like this team is coached by AV still because the young guys just are not getting any chances at all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the Rangers, the Rangers should be going out and trying to give their young guys an opportunity. Not Jack fucking Johnson, who's not going to be here next year, giving him 18 minutes of ice time a night. That's a and joke. Giving him Ryan McDonough's old number. Also. Well, that's another thing. It's another thing entirely of itself that this man has the audacity to just go, oh, we'd say, oh, I'm going to pick up number 27. Here I am thinking it's Ryan McDonough. No, it's Jack fucking Johnson. Fuck you. What an insult. That is an insult to my intelligence. I completely 100% agree, Adam. Okay. I am so happy that we were on this podcast this evening because this happened to me just today. My deep sleeper is parking in empty parking lots. I love that feeling. I did that today too. It's great. There's a back. There's a backstory. Okay. There's a backstory. So I had to go to a big business clothing store this morning. No free advertising. And as I was waiting to go into said store that begins with an M and has ACs in it, the store was closed. I got there at a quarter to 11 thinking the store was open because usually the mall opens up at like 9, 9.30. So I got there thinking Macy's would be open. Sorry, M with an ACs in it. And they weren't open. So I was like, ah, shit. Realized they opened at 11. I was there. It's like, all right, fuck it. I'll just I'll I'll, de- I'll deal with the, the 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 wait 15 minutes whatever. So waiting 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 in the car listening to my wife Shania Twain. It was very nice, very romantic experience. And as I'm listening to You're Still the One, beautiful beautiful song for those that don't know it. This lady driving a red Toyota RAV4 decides to pull up in an empty parking lot where there are hundreds of spaces available. Hundreds. She decides to pull up and park right next to me. Right next to me. And then, 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 she then decides at 1059, 10.59, she decides that she's going to go, she was running full sprint to the door for when they would unlock it. So that way she can go then get online for the returns. Are people fucking insane? I think we have been on this earth long enough to know the answer to that question. Okay, good. I, I'm just I'm just making sure. Because I'm I'm sitting there. I'm drinking my coffee. I'm having a I'm having a grand old time. Grand old time enjoying my life. And I'm watching this woman just fucking run full sprint. I was sitting there saying to myself, oh, please fall on your face. Make my day. Make my day fall on your face. It would be so funny. People are nuts. Yeah, but here's this here's this woman who literally, Adam, it is a back parking lot with hundreds. I'm not exaggerating. Hundreds of spots open. 
she takes her car and parks it right next to mine. And this is not a this is not a social distance issue. This is not a COVID issue. This is just a courtesy issue. You don't park annoying. right next to somebody in an empty parking lot when there's a hundred other spaces open. Leave this a is slot like, between you and somebody else. Done. This is like the you're sitting in an empty theater and somebody sits right in front of you kind of deals. Yes, exactly. Yep. And I hate that too. With a passion. Because This it's is like, the same thing. And it's even harder because at least with the theater, you could just be like, okay, I'll just move to the right or to the left. Right. But with your car, you're like, I'm not going to spend the time and effort to move the car to another parking spot. Hell no. And let this person know that, they, that they've won. Nope. I, I gave that woman death stare too. I was like, fucking asshole. <laughs> I, I woke up. I guess this is like a little segue into a whole other just avenue. But we're very good at this, Adam. We can do this all day. Yep. I woke up this morning. I was in a peachy mood. And I mean peachy. I was up. I got woke up by a car door at 6.45, then decided to, because I couldn't go back to sleep, I decided to hop on Xbox, go on FIFA, open up my weekend league rewards, which, by the way, I got John Stones from. Hey. <laughs> I got I got Adams Paolo Maldini. I'm not- I believe you mean future Ballon d'Or winner, John, John Stones. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Uh, Fabio Cannavaro then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did that. Better and- than Virgil van Dyke. Wow. Wow. Ooh, there's some Liverpool fans that are just like, okay, okay. That's all I need to hear. All right. That's done. <laughs> Jesus. So after that whole little experience, I ended up falling back to sleep, which I hate doing. I hate falling back to sleep. I woke up at, Quarter to 10, I was pissed off. I wanted to rip somebody's head off when I woke up this morning. And then I heard, oh, by the way, you have to go to Macy's and do all this. I was like, no, no, fuck today. Fuck everything about it. Well, to talk about what, to kind of hint at what we're going to be talking about next, uh, in case you didn't uh, read the description, I guess you want to wake up and uh, break some kneecaps. (laughs) Interesting segue. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I, I'll give you, I'll give you an A for effort, C plus for execution. I mean, so it's like a B. You got a B. It's all right. You know what else is B? A bird buck. You get one. Wow, I have two now. No, no, no. You have one. Oh no, you do have two because you gained one back. I broke even. You broke even last uh, on the fantasy show. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have two bird books. Very interesting. Would you like Did to she... redeem one? No. You would not like to redeem one. Okay, very interesting. Are you about to go into – never mind. Does Jake, does Jake have any bird books? No. Or is that not a thing on this? On this uh, well, I have not been – I have not t- spoken to Jake since bird books were invented. Oh, I see. So Jake will be introduced to bird books in due course. But for now – Adam, you have two bird bucks. Congratulations. Thank you. How are you feeling this evening, sir? 
you know, I feel great to uh, get some bird bucks. You know, it's nice to have that little, that little thing in your, in the, in your back pocket for whenever you, I feel that bird is just going to take the piss out of every, out of something that I do. And uh, so now I have that little uh, countermeasure. Are you protecting yourself from the potential fall of the U.S. currency by the end of the week? No. Thank you very much, sir. Back to you, Jim. Anywho. So let's go into the, I would say, the biggest thing that's happened over the course of the last two weeks since the last time that Jake and I recorded a Basement Talk podcast episode, which is, of course, the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> shattering the glass ceiling to go out and get James Harden, uh, the full trade details. And, of course, this is going to be because it is a monstrosity of a deal. Um, so just bear with me on this one. So the basis of the trade was the Nets send Jared Allen, Torian Prince to the Cleveland Cavaliers, Karis Levert and Rodians Kourakis, and three first-round picks in the years 2022, 24, and 2026, along with four first-round pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027 to Houston. The Rockets also received Dante Exum and a 2022 first-round pick from Cleveland, which originally belonged to Milwaukee. And Brooklyn also acquired a 2024 second round pick from the Cavs to complete the deal. Then after all of that happened, the Indiana Pacers were then put into the deal where they were sending Victor Oladipo to Houston in exchange for Karis LeVert and a future second round pick. Um, Adam. Do, you talk, do you talk about so Cleveland also got Jared Allen and Torian Prince? Yep. Yeah, I said and, the first. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. That that trade was just so it's so long and is just so full of just shit that I understand you're not or forgetting the Jared Allen Torian Prince part. It felt like it happened about five minutes ago. When I first saw that Woj tweeted out the details of this trade, I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, this is one of those deals where it could be so great, but it, it could also have the most dire of consequences because the Nets have basically no first round picks for the next four years. I mean, they have, they have pick swaps, but they're guaranteed um, to be lesser than what Houston's going to get. Odds are. Yes. And so their first round picks, if the Nets are are awful, if they listen, this is there's no way that we'll know for sure that this is going to be like the KG Paul Pierce Jason Terry deal, because because those players those guys were older when they were traded to Brooklyn, and that trade looked bad like the second it was consummated. But if if for some reason Kevin Durant or Kyrie or James Harden leave Brooklyn next year after 2022, the 2022 season, this trade is going to look terrible. Also, also, if they don't win a championship 
within the next two years, either before uh, Kevin Durant leaves or just ever within the lifetime of this trade, this trade is going to look terrible and is going to hamstring the franchise forever. Adam, you kind of stole the words right out of my mouth and you're a thousand percent correct. There is probably a three or a four year window for this trade to be deemed somewhat successful. If the Nets can re-sign Harden, excuse me, if they can re-sign Durant after next season, who knows what the hell's going to happen with Kyrie because it just seems like he's on another planet. But let's just say Kyrie is still in the picture, whatever. And then they also have James Harden there. 2021 to 2024 just seems like the optimal window for Brooklyn to potentially win an NBA title. I would think it would have to be just because you don't really know what the future holds, especially, you know, if if you are going to resign Durant and what he's going to command on an aging body. Really? I mean, let's just face it. Kevin Durant, he's probably the, the best pure player in the league at this moment. He's definitely the front runner to an MVP. No, no questions asked. Well, here's the thing. Kevin Durant right now is 32 years old. Yep. James Harden is 31 years old. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving is 28 years old. Mm-hmm. So. And very the, unreliable. Yes. And honestly, Kevin Durant is coming off a, let's, let's be real here, career-threatening injury. And looks like he hasn't skipped a beat. Right. Which is the other just absolutely incredible part of it. Is that yes. Kevin Durant is coming has come back and he's averaging thirty two a game? That's a nuts. joke. That is a joke, and that just goes to show you what kind of player that Kevin Durant is. If you're telling me that Kevin Durant and James Harden are going to be in Brooklyn for the next four five years together, then I would say the window is extended. But optimally, I would say the Nets probably have a three or a four year window to win a championship. My only question here is who in the hell is going to stop Brooklyn going to the NBA final this year? Even if there is no Kyrie, even if Kyrie decides to be Houdini and and disappear, I don't think it will matter because you have Kevin Durant and James Harden, two top five players in the league who want to do one thing and one thing only, and that's win a championship together. Who 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 is going to stop them? Yeah, I was going to say score, but yeah, no. That, I, I mean, it's it's kind of it's it's a weird thing when you also have like the, the best defensive team in the league is probably not even going to make the playoffs. For now, they're the best defensive team in the league in the New York Knicks. Yes, yes, but even then, I don't think they're going to stop. This, it's just not going to, it's, I don't know. I think the, the Achilles heel for, for the Brooklyn Nets is going to be either the lack of defense because they're playing for their coach and their assistant coach. Just don't give a shit about defense. And also just a lack of depth. I mean, you're playing Jeff Green at center. Um, 
the lack of depth doesn't necessarily worry me because they are so talented as it is that when the deadline comes rolling around and you have salary dumps that are happening and you have players that are bought out of their contracts, you'll have the Nets signing guys on vet min deals, bringing them in and rounding out the bench. I'm not super concerned about the depth right now. Now, if something were to happen to Kyrie or, or Katie or James Harden, God forbid, then the depth because it becomes a big issue. I, w- I would absolutely agree with you. But if you can guarantee me that Harden and Durant are going to be healthy up until the deadline and Kyrie will be there for at least half the games, then I would kind of say, you know, the, the Nets probably will round out their depth with whomever uh, is a salary, is a cap casualty of, you know, teams that are just acquiring bad contracts for with assets and then dumping the contract and then the Nets just come in and say okay here's the vet bin done come play for us come sit on the bench and come hopefully win a championship that's just kind of how I see it but for me I mean if we're going into like a winners and losers portion of you know breaking down this trade the the big winner in all of this has got to be Houston it's got has got to be just right now right now Houston I mean they haven't replenished all of the picks from that they got like they traded away with the Russell Westbrook Chris Paul deal mm-hmm. but i mean this is a good start this is definitely a good start it's a hell of a good start i mean the picks sure. aren't might not be great that you're going to get from Brooklyn but still you have that draft capital and you've seen players drafted late in the first round that have been that have turned into superstars i mean Kawhi Leonard is a good example of that mid sure. to late first round pick uh in the 20s i believe even and he turned out to be one of the best defensive players in the NBA sure. uh, right now. So, I mean, you know, would you even say that – would you even call the Nets losers in this trade? I, I, I don't think they're winners, but they're not losers. I think they're just I, – I think it really depends on if they win a championship. If they win a championship, the – Four first round picks and the four swaps that they they gave. I I don't think it'll matter to be quite honest. They they won't care. No, of course not. This is this is a play to win right now. Well, here's the thing: is what's going to happen? The interesting thing is going to happen when they run into the Lakers, probably in the finals, or the Clippers. Yeah, in the finals. I think they can. Pro- this team can probably beat the Clippers, and I think this team can probably beat the Lakers too. Well, the Lakers have a, have the size advantage with yeah. Kuzma yeah. and AD. Yeah, the Lakers would be more of a competitive series. I think the Lakers look really good this year, this season. Also, they have like a solid point guard option in Dennis Schroeder. And yeah, he looks great. Also, AD Kyle Kuzma, and they have depth. Yeah. With uh, with Montrezl Harrell and all that, yeah, I mean they they look great. The Lakers do, and I mean if you're going to tell me the Lakers and the Nets are going to meet the NBA Finals, I'm going to be on the couch every night just eating freaking popcorn. It's like a wet dream for Adam Silver. Let me tell you. Oh my God, have the two biggest markets in the country facing off for an NBA title? Holy oh, shit! Yeah. Adam Jason- Silver just be counting counting the freaking Franklins. By the way, is Jason Kidd still on the staff for the Lakers, or is that not a thing anymore? No, no sir. 
Oh, well, it would have been funny because it would be like, because, you know, they, of course, the Lakers and Nets faced off in 2002 in the NBA Finals. That is correct. So when one Jason Kidd was on the then New Jersey Nets. That's correct. The fun fact for the uh, for the listeners out there, the New Jersey Nets, they were once a thing. If you don't recall, look it up. Got swept out of the finals. Got swept out of the finals. Yes. I mean, one more thing about Houston before we move on. We're looking at this core now that Houston have mainly. I don't know if I would put John Wall in there because he has been consistently inconsistent in terms of his availability and his health. So I would say that the two guys now that Houston has to build around are Victor Oladipo and my pick for breakout player of the year, most improved player of the year, Christian Wood, who I love and has been balling out this year for, for Houston. And I think is going to continue to do that with an even greater responsibility. So, I mean, do I think Houston's going to backdoor into the playoffs? They, they could. I don't think they will. But, I mean, the, the future looks at least a little bit better in Houston than it did a week and a half, two weeks ago when we didn't know what the hell that they could possibly get for for James Harden. They ended up getting four first-round picks and four pick swaps. I mean, yep. Houston did really well. Houston did really, really well. You know who's another winner in this trade, actually? It's sure. Cleveland, really. Yeah. Yeah, Cleveland. Cleveland did okay. I mean, they have they have mm-hmm. now their their start. They want if they want to play Jared Allen at the four, they can. I mean, but ideally, you're you have a now a five for the future when Andre Drummond is either traded at the deadline or walks in free agency. You now have a future five that you will be able to use for the next five to ten years. Well, now you can trade Andre Dum- Andre Drummond at the deadline. Hundred percent. Hundred percent in Cleveland. I mean, Cleveland. We, Jake and I were very bullish on on Cleveland. You know, I believe that he had said that the most that his most improved player was going to be Darius Garland, and I had I, I loved it. I said, you know, one of the guys that I was even talking about for most improved player, if I didn't pick Christian Wood, it was going to be Colin Sexton. And and now they have Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. And how they have Jared Allen? I mean, that's a really, really good foundation for for Cleveland to build on. I think everybody in this trade got a little bit of something. Indiana, they got some promise there with Karis LeVert, but of course, the issue now with a, um, I believe it was a lump, was yeah. the word they said, a lump on his. Uh, on his that's kid. a mass. A mass. That was the word I was looking for. Thank you, Adam. Bird buck for you. They, uh, the mass they found on Karis Levert's kidney. Hopefully, everything. Well, that's the even better thing. This trade saved Karis Levert's life, could or could have saved could've. Karis Levert's life. Yeah, a hundred percent. So hopefully, he uh, he does make a, a speedy recovery from uh, from whatever this is, and hopefully, it is not too uh, too serious in uh, in that regard, because he's a he's a damn good player, Karis mm. Levert. He is a damn damn good player, and he's going to really star in. Indiana, I think, playing next to DeMontis Sabonis. I mean, that that is a very, very good Indiana team. And you add Karis LeVert to that, and they become just even better. So uh, prayers up and best wishes to uh, to Karis LeVert. But I think this is a trade that 
you're asking me who the big winner is right away. It's it's Houston. It's Houston. Yep. I, think, I think they did really, really well. And Brooklyn, I'm not calling them losers. I'm not calling them winners either. Too early to tell. Yep. Well, this is one of those rare trades where you could say almost definitively that so, that every team got something that they wanted out of Correct. it. Correct. Correct. And everything, everything that was moved around made sense. Right. Like there wasn't one thing that happened in this deal. We're just like, wait, they wanted him? Why? You know, right. every every marquee player that was moved, you know why they were moved. Maybe the only one that I could think of was, you know, why did Indiana move Oladipo? But there are rumblings in the offseason that Oladipo wasn't happy in Indiana that he maybe wanted out. So I guess they were able to do it and, you know, get a really good guard in return in Karis LeVert. Uh, Cleveland, Jared Allen talked about that before. James Harden, a third star to add to this already behemoth of a team in Brooklyn. So there was really nothing to this trade that did not make sense. You know, it's going to be even crazier when Spencer Dinwiddie comes back next season. Yeah. Yeah. They'll have way more depth too off the bench. Yep. But uh, I mean, also, can they afford to pay them to pay them? True. True. That's going to be another question. That's an issue in and of itself. But uh Yeah. So would you like to talk about our next topic, the NFL coaching hires? Are you taking over my job? Well, I was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. What a I didn't segue. hear, I didn't hear a peep out of you. So Boo. I thought it was going to be my thing. Boo. So yes, we are very much going into the NFL coaching hires. And this is one actually that Adam wanted to come on the show for. And lo and behold, he gets the opportunity to uh, Isn't talk it funny how things work out. It is quite funny how things work out sometimes. So we are going to be going through all the hires. We are going to be grading them letter grade, just like you get in college, you know, A, B, C, D, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, so on, so on. And um, yeah, we're just going to be going through talking about them and, you know, if we're, if we're, when you listen to the, uh, the the fantasy show, we'll talk about them again at another time. We won't be talking about it this week or next, but we'll be talking about the coaching hires and how they will impact fantasy football. But for now, uh, we'll just talk about the hires for what they are. So, Ooh, yeah, you want to talk, go in a draft pick order or draft order? Um, I'm actually doing it based on the latest to the earliest to latest. Okay. The earliest to latest. So the first one that I'm starting with is Urban Meyer to Well, that is fine. To the Jaguars. Makes sense, lines up. Yep. Um oh, okay. Uh this was one that I was so nervous that Jackson was gonna do. And they ended up and uh, they went and did it. So uh, Look, if Urban Meyer is going to be healthy, this will be a fine hire because as a guy from the college game, his strength is coaching college, and you have arguably the best college quarterback of all time now about to be a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. It's good for Urban that he will get to have that elite player around him. Now, what I think is going to benefit him 
is that he has a track record of winning and winning a lot. What's going to happen, though, in Jacksonville when this team goes 4-12 and or this team goes 5-11 and or maybe best-case scenario 6-10, and 7-9? and You know, how is Urban Meyer going to, to deal with that? And, of course, they're the health questions as well. You know, that it, it, again, it just sounds like we're, you know, we're, we're beating this dead horse, you know, the, the, the health questions related to Urban Meyer, but th- they're relevant points and they are very, very scary. You know, if, when you start questioning whether or not your coach is physically able to do the job, let alone, you know, professionally do the job and question what kind of football guy he is. But when you're questioning whether or not he can physically do it, that's, an entirely different situation. So in terms of, in terms of the hire, I, I wasn't a fan of urban Meyer linked to the Jaguars at all. Big Ohio state guy. OHIO. Yeah, I get it. Uh, it's a D plus. Yeah. I'm a little higher on it. I think it's a C plus for me. Yeah. Just because obviously he brings that track record of winning and all of that. I just think that Urban Meyer might not be able to really handle the struggles and the adversity of the NFL. And I mean, there there's word out that, you know, on the ESPN pieces when they were grading their coaches saying that he just could not handle losing that well when he was at Ohio State and at Florida, that he would like shut down for days after losing. And like you're going to Jacksonville a team that has basically averaged 10 losses a season for the past couple of years. And so that is going to be tough for him. Also the health issue is definitely a legit concern. Definitely, definitely it is. And also it's so much work being an NFL head coach. You have, you really have to be into it to be an NFL head coach. It's not the same as college. It really, you can't just, oh, we're playing uh, Rutgers today. No big deal. We'll just figure it out as we go along. You can't do that. Every team can beat any team in any given week. The Jets beat two teams that made it all the way to the divisional round. This is true. For their only two wins of the season. Which took them away from Trevor Lawrence. In back-to-back weeks, mind you, also. Yeah. And one of them was a cross-country trip. But, yeah, so any you, you can't take anybody lightly. And I think that as a guy who is, you know, like a, a, a program builder, a motivator, that's cool. That's a player's coach, quote-unquote. That's good. But – I'm not crazy about it. I would love to see how he gels with the new GM in Jacksonville, which is Trent Balky, who, as you know, he did not exactly have a great relationship with Jim Harbaugh when they were together in San Francisco. And honestly, probably not a great relationship with Chip Kelly either. Probably not. So I don't know. I think this definitely has a chance to just go up in flames. And I wouldn't necessarily be surprised. No, ne- neither would I, honestly. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me one bit if we're sitting here in a year or two and we're talking about how Urban Meyer just stepped away 
Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me. But again, this screams, it screams culture reset. You know, if you want a guy, it's going to come in and motivate these players to come in every day for work and prepare and give their hundred percent. Urban Meyer could be that guy because he's, he's done it before, but again, he's got to adjust. He's not talking to young men. He's talking to men. Yep. What's well, that's been a problem for a lot of coaches coming from college to the NFL. Yep. Ever since, ever since like the seventies and sixties, we had Lou Holtz try to write a fight song for the jets. I'm not bitter. He tried to write a fight song <laughs> for the jets. That totally worked. Uh, Bobby Petrino, when he was with the Falcons saying that there was no talking in the lunchroom or in the cafeteria, like, come on, come on now. Yeah. I mean, the only, I mean, you want to talk about college coaches that were successful, Jimmy Johnson, Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Yep. I mean, these are all guys that came from top-notch programs, coached men really, and have experience. Urban Myers coached men. So, It'll be very interesting to see what kind of adjustment Urban Meyer makes. And listen, he's he's going to have probably the best guy that you would ever want to have as your starting quarterback as a rookie in Trevor Lawrence. He gets the ultimate prize that he's going to be able to go in there and say, okay, I have Trevor Lawrence now as my quarterback. Right, exactly. But can he develop him as an NFL starter? That's going to be the question. Right, and he, I, from what I know, uh, Urban Meyer does have a pretty good relationship with with Dabo, so that's going to help in terms of you know Urban picking Dabo's brain in terms of you know what makes Trevor tick, what does he need to work on, and and you know things like that. Um, but it'll be interesting to uh, to see how that all pans out in Jacksonville. All right, so next up we have uh, some football team from uh, from New Jersey. I believe they're called the the the, the Jets. I think that's their uh, their name, Adam. I think that's 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 the team we're uh, we're discussing here. Uh, oh, yes. you haven't heard? I haven't heard. Haven't heard of them before. Yes, uh, the uh, the New York Jets, of course, hiring Rob Sala, the defensive coordinator, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I am not going to say anything first just because I would have done the same thing for Jake. I would have let him take this on his own and then I'll give my thoughts at the end. So I'm not saying a word, Adam. I am turning my mic off. Go ahead. Have at it. The New York all gas, no breaks, I believe is the new name for the team. All gas, no breaks, or you want to say it, the runways are closed. His press conference was a couple hours ago from the recording of this episode. So I I got to say I'm a little hyped about this hire. Honestly, I'm giving this hire like a like a A minus. Um I think that this guy is just the polar opposite to Adam Gates and I love everything about it because you have something where he this guy is emotional in the best and that's not like a that's not a dig at him he's emotional in the best possible way where he is emotionally invested in the team and their success you saw how he is on the sidelines with the with the 49ers as the g coordinator this is a guy who wants to coach the whole team that's what he said he wanted to coach the whole team he's not even calling defensive plays he's leaving that to the uh, new defensive coordinator 
uh, who, whose name just escaped me at the moment. But uh, he's leaving that to, to him. Um, and so also I really like his offensive coordinator hire of Mike LaFleur and the fact that, you know, Sam Darnold really succeed. If Sam Darnold is the quarterback, I think that this is going to be our best chance to see if Sam Darnold really is all that. This is, he's not going to have to deal with any restrictive systems under Adam Gaze, no weird bubble screens on third and whatever on third and forever. Um, no, no giving the ball to Frank Gore to the left, every single play. It's just not going to happen that way. It's not, this is going to be a new West coast style offense that is going to hopefully make the most out of Sam Darnold's strengths, strengths. And uh, honestly, this is a guy who he, people have only started hearing about him. His name has come up in coaching circles for the past couple of years, but he's been around. Uh, he started off with the Texans in 2009. Then he was with Seattle from 2011 to 2013. He was with Jacksonville in 2014. And then he went to uh, San Francisco. So this guy has a lot of experience as a, on the defensive side of the ball as either an assistant coach or as a coordinator. And also the best part about it is that the, the structure has changed where Robert Rob Sala is going to be reporting to Joe Douglas and Joe Douglas will be reporting to now Woody Johnson, who has returned from, from England. And that's just the way it should be anyway. And it's just brings a tear to my eye seeing that we're the, we're becoming a competent franchise again. Hopefully, hopefully knock on wood. Um, I mean, I couldn't have said anything that you said much better myself. Uh, this is all about changing the overall structure and the overall environment that resides within the New York Jets facility. And I mean, you're talking about total 180 degree difference of Adam Gaze and Rob Sala. You're talking two totally different guys. You know, Adam Gaze, very quiet, very reserved. Uh, didn't show a whole lot of spark or tenacity in anything really that he did while being coach of the Jets. If we're being quite honest, I mean, maybe the only thing was maybe saying that he had failed Sam Darnold was maybe the most that we got out of it. Um, yeah. But in terms of Rob Sala, I mean, he's going to come in. He's going to just light a fire under every single ass that is in that building. And it's going to be, I would imagine it's going to be just so refreshing for anybody who works or plays for the Jets, that there's a guy there which is a totally different vibe about him. Total, just night and day difference. Um, obviously, the biggest concern is that, you know, you really need to hit the offensive coordinator higher out of the park. Uh, Mike LaFleur is very highly regarded around the league. So if that pans out and you're able to get Sam Darnold to be the guy that everyone thought he was going to be, or even if it's not Sam and it is somebody else uh, next year or in two years, then that's fine. You know, you just, you just need to have a guy that Rob Sala can build his football team around. And I think that's going to be the underlying factor in how we grade this higher in the future. 
for right now, I'm I I, I wouldn't go and say it's an A minus higher. I would give it a B plus. I would give it a B plus. I like the higher. My only concern is that it's not an offensive minded guy like I probably would have wanted if I was a Jets fan. But if it wasn't going to be an offensive guy, this is probably the best alternative to that. I think that at this point, I think Jets fans just I think Jets fans really just wanted either Bianami, who I'm surprised mm-hmm. they still hasn't gotten a a got a job, a head coaching job. There's one left at the time of recording. He's still and he's interviewed for it, but he hasn't uh, he hasn't gotten anything. Or I think when all the rumors were out that uh, Rob Sala was like you know in the building for a second interview. And all that Jets fans were very excited uh, going on Twitter, going on our going on Reddit. Um, Jets fans were excited about it. And even and when he left, everybody thought it was like the franchise just folded or liquidated or something. Everybody was all just despondent. And like, we let him leave the building. He's going to go. He's going to go be hired by the Lions. Oh, no. And then he came back. He came back. So it worked out. Yeah, it it. He definitely, definitely did. And uh, I guess jet up. Jet up indeed. So we move Take on. Take flight from... also. <laughs> Another one. Take flight, jet up, either one. J-E-T-S. Yep. Jet, jet, jet. J-E-T-S. So we move on from the New York Jets to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Arthur Smith, formerly the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. Um, this is an interesting one for me because I don't know what he's going to try and build. I mean, if we know anything about the Titans offense, how it is run first, run heavy. Um, and I mean, let's just face it. Atlanta is terrible when running the football. And maybe you could say it was more Todd Gurley that was terrible, and maybe it wasn't the overall uh, scheme that was bad. But if they're going to be a run-first team, uh, things need to change in in Atlanta to make that happen. And you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what you're thinking it's going to be. Maybe maybe they go out and they sign Aaron Jones. Maybe Aaron Jones is the guy next year for Atlanta. Dalvin Cook, With what off- money? That yes, that is the point. Is that it's going to be a, a big, a big cap crunch in order to do it. Dalvin Cook off the market, signed that big contract back in September. He he's off the market, not going anywhere. Maybe it's like a James Connor. Yay, hip hip. I don't know. It's no like thanks. Todd Gurley, but slightly more durable. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not crazy. Slightly. About it. Sli- slightly. Okay, Todd Gurley, but more durable. Yes, exactly. Um, in terms of the hire, hmm. see, I like him. I like his mind. I like the way he operates. It's very, very old school, and I like that. The thing is, though, is this a hire that can get Atlanta over the hump and potentially get them back? to potentially competing for a playoff spot because odds are you're going to see Matt Ryan back. You're going to see Julio back. The core is going to stay together, right? Do we think that Arthur Smith is going to be the guy to transform this football team to be a contender in this window with Matt Ryan and Julio still there? 
I don't know. I really don't know. Um, I like him. I don't love the landing spot. This is like, it's a C. That's being yeah, nice. I agree with you. I don't know. It's not really up to Arthur Smith. It's up to uh, Terry Fontenot. I don't know how to say his name. Fontenot? Fontenot? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fontenot. The, uh, the new general manager of the Falcons. It's up to him. And his name isn't as fun to say as Thomas Dimitrov was. No, that's true. Well, Thomas Dimitrov's still there. He's the president of football ops. Yes. The Sandy Alderson, if you will. Yeah, he got, he got promoted. Yeah. Terrible at his job, and he got promoted. You fail upwards in the NFL. Apparently. <laughs> what uh, a life. Yes, I know, right? Can you imagine? Hey, hey Adam, maybe, maybe I'll fire you from being co-host of the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And maybe I'll give you ownership stake in Basement Talk Podcast Company. Uh, fired by promotion. <laughs> <laughs> it's the way I want to go. Fuck it. Fired by promotion. Um, yeah, I'm not crazy about this hire either. Just because I think that he, I don't know. I think that, the, I mean, the Jets would have been a good landing spot for him. I think the the Jaguars would have been a good landing spot for him. Even the, char- I think the Chargers probably would have been, would have been the best landing spot outside of the Jets and Jags, just because Arthur Smith, can you imagine Arthur Smith getting all he can out of Austin Eckler and Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry and Mike Williams? Oh my God, that would have been just marvelous. Right. And we'll get to the Chargers in a second. Because that's, that's another one that's kind of like weird. Very. Very weird. Um, but yeah, I'm not like crazy, crazy about this hire. I think that he definitely has a track record in Tennessee, especially with Ryan Tannehill. I mean, the Falcons end up trading up in the draft to draft Matt Ryan's successor. You can trust Arthur Smith to develop to develop that quarterback that I think that's one of the other major reasons why he was brought here. But I, other than that, I don't really, I don't really know. I want to see his, the rest of his staff and kind of who he brings in for, because I think that really it would, if, if Matt Ryan's going to be the guy, it would behoove him to keep Dirk Cutter as his own coordinator. Could be. Even after a statistically down year from, Matt Ryan yards well, were up, but touchdowns touchdowns were down, interceptions were up. Right. And I mean, also, Matt Ryan doesn't do well with learning new systems, at least the first year. Know. Yeah. As we know. So, Adam, what would you grade the hire of, of Arthur Smith? I think I would probably stick with a C plus. C plus? Okay. I'm not, yeah. It's kind of kind of a middle of the road hire. It's a vanilla hire. Yes, it is very vanilla. Okay. All right, so let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers who hired Rams defensive coordinator Brandon Staley, both the guys staying in the same building. That's nice. Doesn't even have to move his stuff. Doesn't even have to move his stuff. All he has to do is just change the nameplate from a Rams logo to a Chargers logo. Love to see it. Same colors, too. Doesn't he have to same get new, colors, too. Doesn't he have to get new laundry? It's, it's amazing. Nope. Nope. Stan Kroenke wanted to keep his guys in the building. Stan, like what it. a guy. What a guy. Fuck him. Um, 
this is a weird one for me. Um, because I really would have thought the Chargers would have wanted to brought someone in like a Joe Brady to really work with Justin Herbert, but maybe they just kind of feel that this offense is good as it is. And that working alongside Sean McVay, Brennan Staley is going to bring in guys that will help him run a Sean McVay ish style of offense. Doesn't make any sense though. It makes no sense. That's my point. Brandon Staley worked on the defensive side under Sean McVay on his staff. So he had oh. to learn something. I'm, that's the way I'm trying to piece this together. To I know try, you're trying to, to try ra- and understand it. I know you're trying to rationalize it, but it just doesn't make any sense. The only thing that I could think of is maybe the Chargers really want to improve their defense with a defensive minded guy that they feel like their offense is good. Good. Sure. Um, I mean, if they keep the sorry to step on your toes here, but if they keep the O coordinator and quarterback coach duo of Shane Steichen, I don't know how to say that, and Pep Hamilton, mm-hmm. that that were so helpful to Justin Herbert's development, so he doesn't have to learn a new system. That would be great. Um, also, if he brings in former Jets quarterback Kevin O'Connell. Uh, who was with the who's with the Rams? Who was also a quarterback with the Rams, journeyman head coach. Uh, put uh, keeps him on his staff. Also, that would be pretty interesting as well. But I, I just think that this hire doesn't really make a lot of sense. I think this is it's just a weird play by Tom Telesco, where I think he wanted. He was like, oh, everybody's try- hiring people from jo- from Sean McVay staff, right? So I'm going to get somebody who was on Sean McVay staff. He's like, but he played on, but he was on the defensive side. It's like, but you said everybody was hiring from Sean McVay staff. If he's on the defense. It should be fine. He should, he should get something, learn something by, by osmosis. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. It does not make any sense at all. I gave, I, for what it's worth, I gave this, I gave the greatest C. I gave it a C. I think it's a D plus. Ooh, harsh. The plus, the plus is off as the blow. Very, very, very harsh. Harsh view, Adam. All right, so we move on from the Chargers. Let's go to the Lions, who hired Dan Campbell, formerly the Saints tight end coach slash offensive assistant. Hmm. This is an interesting one because Dan Campbell has been so highly regarded for so long as a potential head coaching candidate, he finally gets his opportunity to do it in probably the least desired spot outside of Houston that could be without Deshaun Watson. I like him. I love his energy. His press conference was fabulous. Him swearing left, right, and center was awesome. I love it. Love the energy. Big, big, big time jock. Love to see it. I like him. I hate the spot, but it's a fine hire for a team that is looking to rebuild if they give him the opportunity to at least give him the chance to place his stamp on the team. I would say C plus. 
Well, he kind of took a lot of the words out of my mouth. I kind of forgot about Dan Campbell. But then when I saw that he was the uh, Dolphins interim head coach for Joe Philbin, I was like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's the one. Yep. I'm like, you look familiar. He's like, yep, that's that's one. That's the one. I don't. I listen. I think I didn't hear too much out of about him being highly regarded. I know that he wanted to be a head coach very badly after um, being the interim in 2015 with the dolphins. But um, other than that, I mean, yeah, I think that if there's anybody that could go and turn around a franchise from an, from like a, a culture quote unquote, or an emotional standpoint, I wouldn't pick anybody other than Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell seems like the right guy to do that. I mean, either him or Rob Sala. You just need somebody that's really upbeat, has a lot of energy, that really loves the game of football. And it's got a light of fire underneath the players. And the common theme with Detroit and the Jets is they're going to have a lot of young players that are going to need a lot of coaching up. So um, I I think it's a great spot. It's a great spot for Dan Campbell to land. The job's not great. It's a big job for him considering – that Detroit, they're probably going to be in a rebuild. Probably. So I think it just depends how much time he gets and what he has to work with. That'll really determine his, his success or his failures as head coach of the Detroit Lions. The last one we're going to be talking about, the Philadelphia Eagles going out and hiring ex-Indianapolis Colts Offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni. This one makes so much sense. It hurts. Frank Reich guy. Frank Reich guy. Frank Reich, ex-Eagles offensive coordinator. Nick Sirianni, of course, grew up with his coaching life under Frank Reich. Now gets to come back to the place where Frank Reich made his name as offensive coordinator for the Eagles. And he gets to take over as head coach of the team. Um, this is a perfect, perfect fit for Dick Sirianni. Um, I'm not sure if I love the hire from the Eagles' point of view, but I see why they did it. I understand it because he probably got the most glowing of glowing recommendations by Frank Reich. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that also Howie Roseman was like, well, you know, you seem a lot like the guy that we just fired, but at least you might be nicer to Carson Wentz. True. And that's what I think this also leads to is, is this a friendly to Carson Wentz hire? Is this a friendly to Jalen Hurts hire? Who the hell knows? But Nick Sirianni is going to have, ooh, is he going to have a job on his hands to figure out who the guy is going to be for the Philadelphia Eagles? I mean, if I'm Jalen Hurts right now, I'm like shaking. I was like, I thought, like, what about my potential that I showed in the back half of, of 2020? I mean, you, you're just not going to – you're just not even going to bother. You're just going to try and f- – this seems like a very short-term hire. I agree. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes sense, but the goal, the goal, it makes sense to hire Nick Sirianni because he does have a proven – you know, he, not proven, but, you know, he work, he has the pedigree – of like working with quarterbacks, but it's short term, but the goals, the motives don't make any sense to me because if Carson Wentz really wants, wanted to leave, 
then and he and he does and it seems like he does it might not just be about doug peterson i agree it could be about the entire organizational structure of the philadelphia eagles quite honestly and that he just wants out from that and that would make the choice easy jalen hurts done um but for me i i like the hire i like the hire um i have no issue with it i gave i'm gonna give it a i'll give it a b minus b minus solid hire um i'm gonna give it like a c plus okay we're in the same ballpark yep just because i i mean i like the guy uh as as an offensive mind at this point, working under Frank Reich is always a plus, especially what he did with Carson Wentz in 2016, 2017. Basically, uh, helped lead the Eagles to a Super Bowl. In, uh, in 2017, Carson Wentz played, never looked better than he did in 2017. So I, if he's anything like his mentor, then I think this is a, this is a solid hire. But otherwise, I'm not crazy about it it's just like it can go it can definitely go either way i think there are i'm surprised honestly that joe brady was not hired in this cycle i mean we don't know what's going on with houston yet at time of recording but i'm surprised that joe joe brady was not uh hired at all i love it i love it because if mike mccarthy gets fired next year that means joe brady has an opportunity that's all i want that's true the joe brady dream lives on okay so we are going to very 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 quickly uh go through the two conference championship games that are slated to take place this weekend so of course as usual we are going to uh look at the spreads look at money lines look at over unders and try and give you the best advice in terms of which way to pick for all of the degenerate gamblers out there like myself. So we start with the NFC Championship game Sunday at 3.05 p.m. Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to Lambeau Field, taking on Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. The Packers three-point favorites in this one with the over-under being at 51 and a half total points. Um, this is an interesting one for me in terms of who I would pick. Um, we've seen Aaron Rodgers not be great in NFC title games before. Granted, not many of them have been at Lambeau Field. This happens to be one that is at Lambeau Field, but it is against I don't can't even remember the last one that was at Lambeau Field. Neither can I. I maybe he had one before, but I don't think he's had one at Lambeau Field. So this is this is very interesting. This matchup. Um, if I had to put common sense hat, tells me Green Bay. Gambler's hat says Tampa Bay money line. You know, I think I I agree because I think this game should be close. I do too. And yeah, I mean, Green Bay might win this outright. But I think that Tampa Bay is going to cover. Okay, so you think it's going to be like by, by like a field goal? Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm. I listen. I don't blame you. I, honestly, I love Tampa Bay plus three because you're getting the points either way. 
if Tampa Bay lose, I think it is going to be a close game, like you said, Adam. And if Tampa Bay win, you win. Congratulations. Yeah. And plus plus three for Tampa Bay right now is sitting at plus 105. So you're getting plus money on Tampa Bay. Their money line right now is plus 153. So I think very solid value if you are going for the money line there. I would probably stay away from Packers money line. It's sitting at about 173 right now. So not exactly a good return on your investment for Green Bay money line. As for the AFC championship game. Buffalo, what about the over-under? Oh, excuse me. Over-under, 51 and a half. Um, this game screams over to me. Everyone is talking about the over. I'm taking the under 51 and a half. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the over then. Cause I think that this game has the potential to be a 31 28 finish. I think it could be, I really think it could be, but in the old, the old gambling, uh, uh, proverb says, when everyone is talking about one thing, you go for the other. Everyone is talking about the 51 and a half, the over. Nobody's talking about the under. And, you know, it, would it surprise me if this game is 23-17? No, wouldn't surprise me one bit. So I am going to lay my money on the under, but I would avoid it if you possibly can. Ideal bet for this one is Tampa Bay plus three or Tampa Bay Moneyline, if you're looking for a good return on your money there. As for the AFC side, now we hit the AFC. Buffalo, Kansas City, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, pending Patrick Mahomes plays, which all signs as of time of recording on Thursday at 7.32 p.m. Looks like Patrick Mahomes is going to suit up in this game. Everyone is talking about the Bills potentially winning this game. If Patrick Mahomes is playing the 60 minutes, I can't pick against him. I'm taking the minus three. I'm saying Kansas City wins, and I think they win by more than a touchdown. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes does play, and if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plays also, yeah, and if Le'Veon Bell plays who who's also on the injury report. Uh, he was held out of Thursday's practice after experiencing some swelling in his knee. So if that all happens, then I think that it's hard to bet against the Kansas city chiefs because the offense is just that good. And we'll see. Cause I mean, this game was very close when it was in Buffalo uh, a bunch of weeks ago, I believe it was in like October or something. Yeah. And that game came down to a Daniel Sorensen interception at the end on, Mo- on a Monday night. Mm-hmm. And um, Kansas City has the home field advantage of, I mean, this is one of those years where having fans in the, in the stands is even more of an advantage. I agree. I think that Kansas City covers. I agree. I yeah. agree with you. That would be, that would be the smart left would be Kansas City covering. I mean, it was amazing that a lot there, there are a lot of people think Buffalo wins this game. And I'm just saying to myself, if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play, okay, I understand. But if Patrick Mahomes plays, what do we not forget is who Patrick Mahomes is? Yeah, well, I mean, this is going to be a cinematic masterpiece, this game. 
Yes, it's getting well. This is this is a momentum thing, I guess. People are also saying, well, Buffalo has the momentum of blowing out the Ravens, yada yada yada. But also, the Chiefs have the momentum after their game against Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. So I, it cancels out. <laughs> you have in each game, you have two separate storylines, which I think are fascinating. You have the QBs from yesteryear, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, and then you have the QBs of tomorrow. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. And either way, whichever way you look at it, it's going to be the QB of yesteryear versus the QB of tomorrow in the Super Bowl. That yep. is fascinating to me. I love a nice, juicy storyline like that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that's why, I mean, personally, I would love to have a Packers uh, Chiefs Super Bowl. This is why I would love to have a Bucks Chiefs Super Bowl. Ugh. Brady versus Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Oh my lord. And and the first Super Bowl that'll be a home field advantage for Tampa Bay. No, I don't want that. I hate that. I hate it. Oh about my it. god. They said that there was a curse. The storylines are just juicy. They said they there was a curse. Juicy. Well, that is gonna be it for the basement talk podcast. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. We will see you back on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. And I'm sure you'll be coming on the Quizitational soon enough, which will be debuting, re-debuting, I should say, next week. So Exciting. Exciting as usual. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening, of course. Please enjoy your weekends. Have fun. Bet responsibly. Drink responsibly. Do not drink and drive. For Adam, I'm Bird. Bye-bye. In this crazy world of choices, I've